Today we're continuing our series in Prophets and Prophecy. In Revelation chapter 1 and 3, it says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Now, this scripture is in the context of the book of Revelation, but I believe it's true of all prophecy that the more we read, listen, and obey the prophetic instructions of the word of God, the more blessed we'll be. Amen? And uh, why why should we pay attention to prophetic the prophetic uh, scriptures, the prophetic voices uh, of God? Well, because number one, they, they help us understand what's going on in the world today. We talked about that last week, but it also helps us to know what's God's future for the church and for this world. Amos chapter three and seven says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So prophets and prophecy uh, prepare us for what he's currently doing as well as what he's going to do futuristically. And so um, today I want to just uh, conclude this, this mini-series, and I want to tackle three important questions that we should all be asking. One is, what should, we, what should we expect the Lord to do next? Number two, what's the next event going to look like? And what should we do while waiting for this next event? And so the first question is, what should we expect the Lord to do next? As you read the news, as you watch the news, as you read uh, what's going on in the world today, what should we be looking for as the church, as the body of Christ? What's the next thing on God's prophetic calendar? And so the Bible talks about two major events that are yet to take place in the grand scheme of things on God's prophetic calendar. Two events, and one of these events we referenced last week, um, uh, which is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the major central themes of the Bible is the second coming of the Lord. And so there are about 1,200 prophecies in the Old Testament and that make reference to his second coming. And there are about 300 direct prophecies in the New Testament that reference his second coming. In fact, there's more prophetic words given about his second coming than, than there was about his first coming. And here's just one of them. Uh, we just read one there uh, a while ago while we're having communion, but in Hebrews 9.28, it says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. How many of you are waiting for him? The scripture is clear. There's going to be a second coming of Christ. And uh, are we going to know uh, when that time is near? Well, the answer is yes. We're going to know whenever his time is near. And that's the question that Jesus answered in Matthew 24. And so you can go back and read that chapter and you can, you, Jesus tells us what the signs are of the second coming, or you can just listen to last week's message. But do we know what that second coming is going to look like? Like, what is it going to be like? Well, I believe that if you go to, um, uh, Revelation chapter 19, most Bible scholars believe that Revelation 19 is a descriptive word picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. In Revelation 19, 11, it says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. 
and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Now in John's vision, he saw heaven opened up and someone was sitting on a white horse. And uh, and that someone is described uh, through the next verses in verse 11. He who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. Verse 12, his eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. Verse 13, he's clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. John chapter one says, tells us that Jesus name is the word of God. Verse 15 says he had a sharp sword in his mouth to strike down the nations and he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. Verse 16 says, his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, who do you suppose John is describing here? Yes, no doubt. No doubt it is Jesus. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And so in John's vision, he saw he saw this army coming down from heaven, clothed in fine linen with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they were also riding on a white horse. Now, again, most Bible scholars believe this to be the church coming back with Christ as he establishes his rule and reign on the earth. No doubt there will be a second coming of Christ. Amen. But now, most Bible scholars also believe that there is an event that is going to come before the second coming of the Lord. And that event is what is known as the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is uh, is is believed by most scholars and theologians to be the next event on God's prophetic calendar. Like what you what can we look for? Well, I think this is it. Now, the word rapture, you can't find it in the scripture. You can't find it in the Bible. It's a Latin version of the phrase the Bible uses to describe the event. Rapture is a word translated right out of the Latin Vulgate to describe the catching away of all Christians before the end times or the second coming. The word that is translated is found in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, and it reads like this. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That word will be caught up. The word caught up means a catching away or a snatching away. And according to the Bible, a time is coming when like, you know, a billion people will be suddenly vanished from the face of the earth without a trace. Now that sounds crazy, doesn't it? I mean, even when I talk about this, it's just like, wow, that's amazing. So according to Bible scholars, the rapture of the church is going to be the next major event to occur on God's prophetic calendar. And it's going to occur before the seven years of tribulation. Now, there's different views on this, but most mainline 
Protestant evangelical scholars believe that the, the rapture of the church is going to happen before the seven years of tribulation and before the second coming of Christ. I have a graphic here that I just want to show you to just kind of give you an idea. The first coming of Christ when he was born, the church age, the rapture of the church, seven years of tribulation, the second coming of Christ, the millennial reign uh, of thousand years, and then the great, the great judgment. So this is kind of the events. And according to most theologians, the rapture and the second coming of Christ are two totally separate events that happen. Two event, different events that happen in the prophetic calendar of time, which is sometimes is very confusing. And so for further study, uh, you, we included a graph. If you got the sermon notes, the paper notes on the back of that graph, is a, uh, on the back of the notes is a graph and it includes the, the, ver, the chapters in the book of Revelation and it contains a graph of history and the chapters of Revelation so you can see a breakdown of how they relate God's outline of history and it helps you to get a grasp of the book of Revelation which is one of the hardest books to understand. Now there's one major difference between the second coming and the rapture of the church. Unlike the second coming, we will not know exactly when the rapture will take place. Jesus said in Matthew 24, these are the signs that you can expect before I come. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Paul said this about the rapture. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and those who are living will also be transformed. Now notice in this, in, in verse 52, he says, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. So there's people going to be dead, there's going to be people be alive. Paul called this event a secret. In fact, in the NIV, Paul said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Now, I'll tell you a mystery. The biblical definition of a mystery is a secret or a truth that has not yet been revealed before. And Paul says it's a mystery that's going to happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. Verse 52 says, it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever and we who are living will be transformed. How many of you ever heard of, uh, you know, the, um, the Left Behind series? How many of you have read those books? A lot of people have read those books. Maybe you've seen the movie. That whole series and all that was based on this event. The theme of those books and movies about the catching away the catching away of the church. The movie depicts this kind of scene on earth. Life will be going on as usual. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's going to be all these people that are going to leave. And you know, when you follow that thought, you know, the pilot that's flying a plane might just get raptured and that plane is going down, baby. That's scary, isn't it? I hope I'm not having surgery that day. And the, and the, and the surgeon is a believer, right? Of course, we might, we, uh, hopefully we both get caught up, right? Amen. So according to most mainline Protestant theologians, the next event to take place in the chronological order of the end time events is the rapture. And there will be no sign 
or warning when this event will take place. Now, what's this next event going to look like? What's, what's going to happen here? Well, this catching away of the rapture is going to go, is going to look like this. The apostle Paul gives us the best detailed account of what's going to happen that day in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you have your Bible or your phone, you might want to go there or just look up here on the big screen. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will, will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, five important details here. Number one, the Lord himself will return. It's not, he's not sending someone, he's coming himself. In verse 16, it says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trumpet of God. Now, the Bible tells us that right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? But when the right time comes, he's going to initiate the rapture by literally, physically rising from the throne, stepping into the corridors of the atmosphere of the planet Earth, and the, and the, the trumpet's going to sound. There won't be any prior warning, any advance announcing of his return. Boom, he's going to be there. The warning comes as he descends, as the Lord himself initiates his return. Now, remember the angels announced this whenever he ascended into heaven. In Acts 1 and verse 9, it says, after he had said these things, he was lifted up. This is his ascension after his resurrection. He was lifted up while they were looking on and a cloud received them out of their sight. Verse 10, and as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. So he said, look, you see him ascending? One day he's going to descend. Amen. So as soon as you hear the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God sounds, the Lord himself will ascend into earth just as he ascended into heaven. Here's the second detail. There will be a resurrection of the dead. In verse 16, it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead. Now, this is not going to be all the dead. That happens later at the final judgment. But here, the rapture, only those who have died living for and serving Christ will be resurrected and be the first ones to meet the Lord in the air. Imagine that, folks. Imagine that event taking place. And graves starts popping open and, 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 and people resurrected bodies. Imagine if you cut in the grass in that graveyard. <clears throat> That's going to be a shocker, amen? 
<laughs> and this reminds me of what happened when Jesus died on the cross in Matthew 27, 52. The tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. How many of you know Jesus can raise the dead? Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection, right? A third important detail is this. There will be the rapture of the church in verse 16, latter part of 16 and 17. And, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. That's the word raptura or in Latin rapture. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Here's the order. First, those who have died in Christ, they're going to be caught up with the Lord. The graves are going to open. They're going to be caught up. Their resurrected bodies are going to meet the Lord in the air. Then we who are still alive and remain will be caught up and follow the dead to meet the Lord in the air. I mean, that's crazy. But does the Bible teach that? Yes. Does the devil want you to know that? No. No, he don't want you to know that. Why? He don't want you to get ready. Notice the word again, caught up. The word caught up in the Greek means to snatch out away speedily, in a hurry. The word emphasizes the quick and sudden nature of the event. Paul described this quick and sudden nature of the rapture in his letter to the Corinthians. In verse Corinthians 15, he said, It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. We'll be translated. Remember, 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 uh, who was it? Uh, Philip, the, the, the eunuch in the, in Acts. And, and there was a translation. He was like, all of a sudden, boom, gone. Man, could that happen today? Could it happen tomorrow? A fourth trumpet detail, a fourth, uh, or not trumpet detail, but important detail of this event. The rapture will be a permanent event. In verse 17, it says, so we shall always be with the Lord. Always means forever and ever. This was, this is a permanent reunion with the Lord. And all believers are taken to heaven with the Lord. And they will stay there until the second coming. They're going to be caught up. There's going to be this reunion in the sky. Until the Lord returns to establish his millennial reign and rule of the earth, described in Revelation 19, we're going to be with the Lord. Meanwhile, what is believed is that there'll be seven years of tribulation. So the final and uh, fifth and final important detail here is the purpose of this described event. I think there are two reasons Paul informed us about what, what was going to happen. Number one, to give us hope when we lose a loved one. I love to read that passage of Scripture in Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, at, at funerals or at gravesides in verse 13. But we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep or who died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. We grieve, but we grieve with hope. Amen? 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or died in Jesus. And so Paul wanted to comfort and encourage us when we lose a loved one here on the earth, according to Paul, for the Christian death is not final. 
It's not final. We must know that when we lose a Christian loved one, one day that grave, their grave is going to open up and they're going to be caught up with the Lord in the air. They're going to be resurrected as soon as that trumpet sounds. Amen? So it's not the finality, right? And so a second reason I think Paul informed us about what was going to happen is to help us get spiritually ready. He says in verse 18, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, knowing what's next on God's prophetic calendar should encourage us to get spiritually ready. If it doesn't, somebody wake up that person that it doesn't. Amen. They need to be shooken. Amen. Shooken. Wake them up. Because listen, if you understand the gravity of what God is up to, it's time to get ready for the Lord's return. Amen. Are y'all believing this? Are y'all with me out there? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. No one knows the day of the hour. You know what I believe? If the Lord would say, I'm coming back in 2000 and on this day at this time, we would live like heathens until the moment before. And then when we get right with God, no, we got to stay ready. Amen. No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. So we should get ready and we should stay ready spiritually every day of our lives. Amen. Because remember what Paul said in Corinthians 15, 52. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. How fast can you blink your eye? It will happen very suddenly with no warning to get ready. So we need to stay ready. Stay ready spiritually. So what should we do while we wait for this thing to happen? Should we, you know, get a house in the woods somewhere and, and just become a hermit and, and just make sure nobody taints us? And what should we do, right? And so, you know, amazing. When you read some of the scriptures in the gospel, some of the parables that Jesus spoke, when you read them in the context of what we're talking about right now, it makes a lot of sense. When you read it out of the context, you're like, what in the world is he talking about? So I want to just kind of give you, uh, just as, as we conclude today, three ways to get ready for his coming. How many of you want to be ready? Number one, you got to be watchful. This is what Jesus says, Matthew 24, 36. Now, I want you to pay attention to, to the words Jesus uses. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things would happen. Not even the angels in heaven are the son himself. So listen, if somebody tells you that God told me that Jesus is coming back, they're not telling the truth because Jesus said no one would know, not even the angels, right? Only the father knows. Verse 37, when the son of man returns, it will be like it was on Noah's day. Now you remember what happened in Noah's day? They didn't think a flood was coming, right? Verse 38, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field one will be taken, the other left. 
two, win, two women will be grinding flour at the meal. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what the day your Lord is coming. How clear can that be? I mean, if, if that's not clear, the message says, the paraphrase says, stay awake, be watchful, stay awake and alert. The Amplified says, give strict attention to, be cautious and active. To be watchful means to stay awake, be alert, be cautious, to give strict attention to the Lord's coming. Why did Jesus emphasize the need to be watchful? For you don't know what the day your Lord is coming. We need to stay spiritually awake and alert because we, we don't have the luxury of getting ready when he comes. Amen? It's not like you can, if you were here the first week, it's not like you can go in the house and change your underwear. What you have on is what you have on. Amen. You don't have time to get your life in order, your house in order. It's too late, buddy. Say too in the French vernacular, right? And so, so listen, in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 42, he says, you don't know the day your Lord is coming. So we need to stay spiritually awake. In other words, man, don't take your spiritual life for granted and, and, and don't be lackadaisical about it. Are y'all hearing me out there? Are y'all listening to me out there? Listen, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to just say, Lord, would you give me a chance to repent? I want to be repented. Amen. I don't want to say, Lord, Lord, would you give me a chance to forgive? No, I want to be forgiving. Amen. I think you got it. If you got it, say, I got it. Matthew 24, 43, Jesus said, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at all, all times, all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. I remember this in, uh, in, in, in 2011, whenever the Twin Towers, whenever the terrorists attacked in New York City, do you remember where you were? Most of us can remember where we were. We, we have a picture etched near my mind. I mean, it, it was a tragic time. It was a shaking of America that day. I remember that afternoon, a friend of ours called Tanya and was in hysterics. And she said to Tanya, Tanya, is this the end? Is the world coming to an end? And Tanya said, well, why? Why do you want to know? Because I'm not right with God. Well, you need to get right with God. Folks, if, if the Lord returned right now, are you right with God? Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. That's the gravity we should live with. And I'm afraid we're living sleepy. I'm afraid we're living in a fog spiritually. And we're not getting the gravity of this thing. Amen. So come on, spiritually speaking, slap yourself and say, come on, Todd, give her the program here. Amen. See, why was she so frantic? Because she's like, man, if this is the end, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So we should be watchful and be ready. 
Number two, the second way to get ready is to be faithful. Listen, again, Jesus, Matthew 24, the latter part of the chapter we studied last week in verse 45. Who then is a faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know what all the Greek Hebrew is about the weeping and gnashing of teeth, but I don't want to, I don't want any part of it. How about you? Amen. And so Jesus paints this picture of two servants and he says a faithful servant is the one who takes care of his master's business. The unfaithful servant is the one who thinks his master isn't coming for a long while, so he's just kind of just letting it all hang out. He's not faithfully living his life to please his master. And the, and the scripture says, Jesus said, he begins beating his fellow slaves, his fellow servants. In other words, he's got relational tension. But number two, eating and drinking with the drunkards. You fill in the blank. According to Jesus, a faithful servant is one who lives his life every day in a faithful and godly way to please his master. So we need to be watchful. We need to stay awake. But you know what? We also need to be faithful. We got to do what God wants us to do. And I think the question here is, am I living to please myself or am I living to please the Lord? Am I living my life to do the Lord's business or am I building my own kingdom, doing my own thing? Come on, are y'all with me out there? And then the third and final way to get ready is to be ready. I know that's deep. You might have to pounder that for a little while. But I want you to just see this last story in Matthew 25. Jesus tells all these parables. Verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like what happened one night when ten girls took their oil lamps and went to the wedding to meet the groom. Five of the girls were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but no extra oil. The ones who were wise took along extra oil for their lamps. The groom was late arriving and the girls became drowsy and they fell asleep. Then in the middle of the night, someone shouted, here's the groom, come to meet him. When the girls got up and started getting their lamps ready, the foolish one said to the others, let us have some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. The girls who were wise answered, there's not enough for all of us. Go and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10. While the foolish girls were on their way to get some oil, the groom arrived. By the way, the groom is the master. The girls who were ready went into the wedding and the doors were closed. Later, the other girls returned and shouted, Sir, 
open the door for us. But the groom replied, I don't even know you. So my disciples always be ready. You don't know when the day or the time when all this will happen. See, when you read this in the context of what we're talking about, it makes sense, doesn't it? See the difference. There was the difference between the five foolish. There were ten virgins. Five were foolish. Five were wise. Five had plenty of oil to keep their lamp going. They brought extra oil. Five didn't have enough oil to keep their lamps lit. The oil obviously represented their relationship with God. Notice in verse 11 and 12 what, what, what it says about the foolish girls. Verse 11, later the other girls returned and shouted, Sir, open the door for us. But the groom replied, I don't even know you. The bridegroom said to the five foolish girls, I don't know you. The oil in this parable, I believe, represents our relationship with Christ. And so can I just encourage you today? It's not just good enough to go to church. It's not good enough. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? I believe oil represents the relationship. You have to have a personal relationship with Christ. How many of you went to church many, many times, many years, but then you met the Lord personally? You had a spiritual experience, a born again experience, and it's, it dramatically changed your life. Let me, let me see your hands. See, that's the kind of experience that Jesus sang. The oil represents a genuine spiritual experience. So listen, the devil is okay if we just go to church as long as we don't give our life to Christ. He don't care if we use Christian lingo. There's a verse that says, we will say in that day, Lord, Lord, uh, we cast out devils in your name. We, we did all these miracles in your name. And the Lord's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. It means I didn't know you intimately. See, the Lord knows all of us, but we need to know him intimately. Amen. And so when you think about what in the world is going on and what's going to happen, listen, keep your life raft in your hand. So if Noah's flood comes, you're going to float out of there. Your life raft is salvation. It's giving your heart to Jesus Christ, asking him to forgive your sins, keeping your heart right with the Lord. Amen. And it don't matter what people say to you, what they do to you, forgive them, keep your heart right, live for Jesus, establish a walk with God. And so when the trumpet sounds, you're not going to be the one left behind. You're going to be the one taken up and bless God. You're going to be with the Lord forever and never always. Amen. Come on, would you stand on your feet with me? And just thank God for his salvation today. Amen. Jesus told Nicodemus, who asked the question, we perceive that you, that you're of God because of what we see. How do you, how do you enter the kingdom of God? How, what's the key? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Listen, I didn't know this always. I didn't find this out till I was 22 years old. Religion won't do it. Church attendance won't do it. Baptism won't do it. Belonging to a denomination won't do it. Sometimes people would ask me, Todd, are you a Christian? And I would give them my denominational affiliation. 
Folks, I don't think Jesus is going to check our denominational affiliation whenever we get to heaven. He's going to want to know, have you been faithful? Have you been true to the Lord? What did you do with the life that I gave you? You want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Come on. You got to be right with God. How many of you right now know you're right with God? Come on. Just give the Lord a shout and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Do me a favor. Just bow your head with me for a moment. If you're here today and you're not sure that you're right with God, you're not sure that if you died today that you would spend your eternity with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to repent, to pray, and ask the Lord to forgive you. We won't embarrass you, but we want to give you the chance to get your heart right with Jesus. If you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to get my heart right. I want to make sure I'm right. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand so I can know. I see your hand. I see your hand, ma'am. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. Hold your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Right over here. I see your hand. Come on. This. Come on. If you can't stand up for Jesus in this room, you'll never stand up for Jesus outside. This is the opportunity for to make a decision to give your heart and your allegiance to Christ. Those of you that have your hands raised, we're all going to pray together. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the king. You're the savior. You're the master that has the ability to forgive. Lord Jesus, I want to be forgiven. Would you forgive me today? I want to live the Christian life. Empower me, Lord, to live for you. Thank you, Father, for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. 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 Welcome to the family of God. Those of you that pray that prayer, uh, there's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. If you take the time to fill that out, bring it to the lobby, to the info center. We have a gift for you and we want to help you get started. But listen, before you exit here, Jesus gave us, there's a parable of the talents, which I didn't take time Well done, thou good and faithful servant is in the context of the parable of the talents. God gave us each amount, each a a portion of talent, of gifts, of money, of resources, of time. He's given us a life. The question is, those of us that are believers, what are we doing with our life? Are we investing it in the kingdom of God? Folks, if the Lord returned today, I would have family that would make it. And I want them to make it. What about you? I have friends that won't make it. Folks, we ain't got time to play church. We got to live our Lord wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ. And then if he returns, we got to make a difference. We got to live our lives. We got to invest our lives in the kingdom of God. Amen. So come on, let's sober up. And let's use our life. Let's live our life wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ. Because one day it's all going to be done. It's going to wrap up. The work is going to be done. And we're going to have all eternity to rejoice in the difference that we've been able to, we've had the privilege of making for the kingdom of God. Amen. And remember this, the Lord's not going to return until everybody hears the gospel. Until the gospel is preached to every tongue, tribe, and nation. 
So we need to occupy till he comes and be about the Father's business. How many of you ready to do that? Amen. Let me pray for you as we get ready to dismiss. Father, I pray for every person in here. Lord Jesus, the day is late. The time is late. Lord, there's spiritual deception. The spirit of the Antichrist is already on the earth and is deceiving even the church. And your word says even the elect could be deceived. Lord, let us not be deceived. Let us not be duped. Let us be watchful, be faithful, and be ready so that when the trumpet sounds, we won't have to be ashamed. We won't have to be embarrassed, but we can have a heart filled with gratitude that our master has come to get us. Lord, I pray, bless this congregation and may their light, may their salt be greater in the world that they live in and may they make a difference in the kingdom of God. I pray in the mighty and in the strong name of Jesus and everybody that agreed shouted and said, amen, amen. God bless you.